Hi, welcome to Tabletop Transmissions. As usual, I'm one of your hosts, Liz. Uh, and joining us tonight is our normal host, or our, I'm sorry, folks, <laughs> our, uh, my other co-host. Hi, I'm Cassie. And hello, I'm Fran. All right, folks, so tonight we are going to be talking about, now that you've found your group, how do you get, how do you get started on a campaign, whether or not you're a player or a game master? But before that, we've got a special little segment called, uh, what am I calling it? Historian Fight Club. Historian Fight Club. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that works. So, so two of the three people on this call are actually historians. Um, two, two of us have degrees in history and, (laughs) and Liz wanted to tell us a fun story about meeting a historian who would definitely not, in fact, be involved in a fight club. No, Uh, no. Well, Um, I mean, okay. So this is about the time I met David McCullough. Uh, if you don't know, he wrote uh, most well known probably for his book um, John John Adams. I think that's what he's probably most mm. well known for. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, arguably yes. Uh, anyway, he's got some other stuff. But yep. so in college, um, I they kind of forgot my de- my degree existed because <laughs> I, I have a I have a degree in public history. Mm. And, um, yeah, they just kind of forgot that I was in that program and before they canceled it. Oh. Yeah. So I went to them and I, I said, I'm still here and you <laughs> don't have any of the classes I need anymore. <laughs> They're like, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to do an independent study with you with, <laughs> with, one, <laughs> of the, with one of the professors. <laughs> okay, great. So we have the, the one of the professors who ran um, – the Robert C. Byrd archives. Uh, Robert C. Byrd, well-known clans member, but come on, folks, this mm-hmm. is West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, he could read, which puts him out in front. Yeah. He he was related to the senator, wasn't he? Uh, he was the senator. He was a clan he, member. Yeah, he was a senator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. He did some he did some okay stuff, but mm-hmm. let's not let's not forget clan member. Yeah. But anyway. So I'm uh I'm in I'm I'm walking to that professor's office one day about halfway through the semester and I I've been working with him for about a year prior. So I walk into I walk into his office and sitting there in a chair uh is someone who I recognize from his dust jacket. <laughs> and my jaw kind of hit the floor and he's like, "Oh, and I I'm, I'm not going to use my dead name, but he's like, "Oh, Liz, uh Glad you could make it. Uh, have you uh, have you ever met David McCullough before? I was like, n- no. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and I I happened to have I was rereading his book John Adams and I happened to have it in my bag. And I I dropped my bag and, and yanked it out and I was like, I'm sorry, I never do this, but I need you to sign this, please. Aww. He was very nice. He was very nice. He talked. He talked with us for a while. In fact, I don't think we got any work done that day because we were just hanging out with David McCullough. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. But he was—he was—he was interesting. He was definitely—that um, was definitely a highlight of, of, of college. Just <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I just remember it's like because the rece- uh, the receptionist and in the front office as I walked in was like, "Oh, he's got someone in there with him." I was like. Oh, you know, he's expecting me. I'm I'm just gonna go in. She's like, All right, whatever. Uh-huh. And I walk in and I'm like, Oh my god. 
That's not someone, that's the guy. Yeah, definitely. That's a lot cooler than than when I met Ken Burns. (laughs) Ah. My Um, wife got sneezed on by Steve Ballmer once. (laughs) (laughs) And I I, I guess my closest real brush with fame is I had to drive a somewhat drunk Jennifer Finney Boylan back to her hotel room after a book reading here in Seattle one time. Uh, you've had closer brushes with her. Yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah. Well, like I was telling before the show, my friend lives like a couple blocks away from Mike Pence. I Mm, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, let's be clear. It's bad. But, (laughs) but, uh, no. So what we're talking about tonight is we're talking about once you found your group, how do you get started with a new campaign? Um, so kind of what I wanted to do is break this into two parts. What do you need to do to prepare as a game master? And what do you need to do to prepare as a player? Ah, uh, that's an interesting one. Mm. Uh, and you are in fact prepping a new campaign as we speak, aren't you Liz? Yeah, I am. So, uh, due to events, <laughs> due to, uh-huh. <laughs> I'm, oh. sorry. I'm sorry. Due We're to professionals. We are professionals. <laughs> Never, never forget that, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, no, due to uh, <laughs> due to events. Thank you. Beyond my control, um, my regular group we're having some trouble meeting, so kind of wanted to start. I've been we've been thinking for a while about starting something up closer to home, not having to drive back to the Eastern Panhandle. Uh, that's a long drive. Oh, that's an hour. An hour yeah. drive, and it sucks. Yeah. And I'd prefer not to have to go back to West Virginia if I can help it. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, so we want to do something here closer to the city. So uh, I we we actually five followed our advice from the last episode, Meetup.com, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Twitter, Twitter. Reddit's looking for group, and I, I found people here in in, uh, in D.C. that wanted to play. Oh, nice, huh? So we're kind of – it looks like we're doing D&D, which wow. I'm not – we know I have issues with D&D, but I'm not totally adverse to it, and I kind of like some of their new stuff. And I just – you know, I just don't like Mike Merles, but mm. – um, There but are good reasons. There are good uh-huh. reasons. Um, which actually want to talk about something here at the end, uh, okay. but we'll get to that in a second. Are we going to have a shout down section now? Or I don't like to be <laughs> negative, but I do kind of want to make people aware. By all means, to be a I think that's fine. I, I I think that's that's valid. But I think you're going to enjoy um, running fifth edition. I was pleasantly surprised I... how easier it is to run. Yeah, um, I mean, I've read the books. I, I, I was actually at that first Gen Con when they had the Player's Handbook. Oh, nice. That, uh-huh. So that was, yeah, that was really cool. Um, oh, uncomfortable moment from that Gen Con it, <clears throat> was uh, Dro Cosplayers. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Um, that, that, could, that could be read the wrong way if you're not really. Yeah. Were they actually uh-huh. blacked up? Yeah. Oh my god! It was I. I kind of looked at it and was like, P- 
people are going to say I'm 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 reading too much into this, but come on, mm-hmm. let's be real here. You're not. <laughs> this, is, this is pretty much blackface, but drow, here to there. Drow in general are mm. well. Okay, so for those who are listening who don't know, uh, drow um, elves are elves that live in an underground sort of um, dimension called the Underdark, and they tend to be evil and matrilineal, um, and they are, in fact, black elves. Um, there's been a lot uh, done to um, rehabilitate them a bit because, you know, that, that really does sound racist as heck. Mm-hmm. But the idea of white people cosplaying as Drow, I can un- really understand that making someone uncomfortable. Yeah, I was... I was kind of pretty squigged out by it. So yeah. I didn't, but, um, but anyway, yeah, so I'm, I've, I've run part of the original starter set before. And when I say original, the original fifth edition, not yeah. Red Fox. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, did, I did too. And now I'm trying to remember that was Fandelver, wasn't it? Yeah. Lost Minds of Fandelver. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. But really fun. I enjoyed it. Um, so here's some of the things I'm thinking about right now as I'm getting ready to start. Like, first of all, um, I haven't. So first of all, let's talk about kind of logistics. Like, um, ultimately, I would like to play at, at Jess and I's house. Right. Um, problem is. I, and I think most queer people can kind of understand this. You maybe don't want to give your address out unless you have met these people first. That is actually mm. very valid. So, um, at least for me, what I'm doing is we're we're going to kind of meet up um, at a Starbucks that's near the house. And we're going to kind of meet everybody first, make sure everybody's kind of chill. Kind of do a session zero there. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna talk about session zero here in a moment. Uh, I promise. So don't if I if I don't come back to it, please someone, someone we'll get there. Yeah. We'll, mm-hmm. You will definitely get there. But um, yeah. I, I, I again, it's more. I don't. I don't want to. Maybe for people who are listening who don't quite have that perspective. Um, hopefully if you're listening, you're, you're queer. If you're not, Hey, hi, welcome. Thanks for finding <laughs> us. Yeah. Um, it's just, for me, it's a safety concern. It's, it's an extremely valid one, especially when you're meeting people that you don't know that yeah. are just random people that talk a good game in email. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's, I want to have a, this is a question I have been pondering and I kind of want both of yours opinion. I know, Cassie, I know you said you wanted me to be the person to take the lead on this episode. Ha ha, I'm flipping the script. I'm going to ask <laughs> a question. Um, but my question is, how, if you were in my position, if you all were setting up doing this, do you tell folks you're trans first? Holy or do you meet them and then explain and go from there? Oh, that, I mean, this is this um this I'll is you go first. something that has not come up for me at all because uh, the only strangers I played with 
are the um, the people at Watsi um, mm. for a long time, um, certainly since I came out. Um, you know, it's a hard question. I think. Uh, I, I Oh, presumably I, I, online you're introducing yourself as Liz, as Elizabeth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I mean, I'm wondering if you should do it beforehand because that gives them a chance to, ba- to back out if they can't handle it. That is mostly what I am thinking. Like, kind of be like, you know, okay, elf in the room. Uh, I'm trans. If you have a problem with that, maybe maybe we should reconsider this. So kind I just of being... heard that as elf in the room, and I really like that version better. Yeah, I actually did too, but <laughs> I figured out what you meant. That's that's pretty awesome. Um, Hi, I'm yeah. Liz. I swear words. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, wow. And, I, think, and... I think being up front is probably a good idea when you're running the game for sure. And especially if you're hosting it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And and I guess primarily it's, it's weed. It's us. It's weeding out potential problems. Exactly. Um, I mean, you know, they're, 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 um, uh, proud trans woman in me says no screw him let him deal with it but the realistic role player and um game master in me says no you gotta let them know ahead of time because Mm. if they can't handle it then you don't want them in your house yeah and particularly not knowing where i live Um, well yeah yeah. probably so and 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 part of me doesn't feel too bad about that i mean i'm pretty open about my transness i mean i walk around mm. in trans pride high tops <laughs> they that, are cool. nice that literally the little mm. license plates on the back say trans oh, oh nice um you're cooler than me yeah and, yeah. and my my lanyard is uh is rainbow <laughs> so i've always got like the <laughs> one that i keep my keys and wallet on mm-hmm. so oh. it's, it's always wife, rainbow hanging out of my wife, pocket uh, my wife got me the coolest little thing for my keychain um, that I can wear on my keychain, even though I'm not at work. Because who looks on your keychain? Um, it's a little trans flag with a pirate symbol on it that's made uh-huh. out of—I don't know—it's a plastic little plastic thing. It's just so awesome. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Oh, I like I like I like Rebecca. She's great. <laughs> well, hopefully we will all be gaming together at some point in the near future. We're trying. We're 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 actually planning, kind of planning out next year's. Well, no, I meant the online game thing. Oh, right. Yes, mm. yes, we are going to be doing that. Um, yeah. I'm yeah. sorry. I've been. It's been a busy week. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, dude. I yeah. Anyway, uh, so Fran, do you have any ideas? Um, about this? I I was going to say I would definitely. I, I mean, I, I, I out myself in casual conversations all the damn time. Um, not usually to check out people at grocery stores, but occasionally. Um, and so, yeah, I would out myself partially as sort of a way of saying, yeah, so if you've got a problem with that, bring it on. Um, and we shall throw down and the first PVP will be between you and me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, 
I can understand not revealing it if you are highly passable and also nervous. Um, I do not do this out of a concern of safety for myself. I do this in my case because, well, damn it, you're a grown up and your ass should be able to deal with my existence. And um, so, but I'm also a bit of a, a shit starter when it comes to stuff like that. So I, I think if you're in a position to do that, um, yeah, there are multiple different reasons for doing that. I don't, I don't think it's a requirement by any means, any more than, you know, being required to out yourself if you're going on a date with somebody. But, uh, I, I definitely agree. I see both points. Um, I think, I think what I'm going to probably do is, is, on a be, I'm going to be unapologetic about it. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm me. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, it it's a little bit more difficult here in, in kind of the uh, yeah. the metro area because we're we skew fairly mm -hmm. red around here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we and, we uh, are we're in a trans friendly yeah brand. So so as as out and open as I am, I still keep like I have a little appointed multi tool on my key. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. for, for a reason. But uh, okay, so kind of maybe enough of a downer. So let's <laughs> safety concerns aside. So yeah. what am I doing to prep from an RPG perspective? Um, and I think the first step is going to be deciding. I mean, I know what I'm playing, but what setting are we, are we in? Because mm. D&D, as kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of monotone as it can be sometimes. Mm -hmm. There are, like, playing in Eberron versus playing in Dark Sun are completely different games. Well, and yeah. also... And they also encourage you to play in whatever the heck you want to, if you don't want to use the setting. Absolutely. As well, that that is definitely. So, I mean, one of the things, you know, one of the big questions are it would be for this first game, do to just so people know each other, blah blah blah, before we get anything going. Do I want to use a module? What's the module mm -hmm. like? Uh, do I like the setting of the module, or do I want to adapt it? Um, if I'm going to use a module, if you're going to use a module, read through it twice. That's mm -hmm. the that's definitely the uh, rule of thumb before before the game. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not just it's it's choosing a setting or deciding whether you want to run a module or just leap into something or whatever as well. For me, I kind of like to start with big picture and go in. So uh, it. I would probably so my like I said my first question is what setting is it going to be something I've created whole cloth is it going to be a mashup? Mm. Um, right now what I am so this is not what you have to do this is kind of what I am leaning towards. Um, I think just because I've not played D and D in so long and I am, I'll be honest I'm kind of interested in a lot of the uh, campaign books they've put out. Mm. Mm. I want to look at one. I'm probably going to get one of those or maybe one of the campaign setting books and go from there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like um, Guildmasters of Ravincia. 
that cover oh, is yeah. pretty badass. I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know anything about it. I'm not a big Magic player. Yeah, so, I know nothing about, I know nothing about that setting at all. So, so that might be, so anyway, I might be picking up, I'm going to be at least picking up a book. You don't have to. Please don't mm-hmm. think you have to buy anything outside of, well, you don't really have to buy anything because there's the basic rules online for free. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend, okay, if you're running the game, I would recommend having the core books. Um, I, just just because having a monster manual is good and having the books that you can actually pull out and refer to quickly mm-hmm. can also help. That is true. Yeah, because people will absolutely get things wrong. Oh, and absolutely. I mean, experienced people who already know the game system will and, get things and, wrong. And this this is something that actually goes back to something I mentioned last week, which is if you're a new player, there's no reason for you to necessarily have the book. Someone else will have a book. You can borrow them. The DM should always have a book, should always have the core rule books for their players, I think, if they can. Yeah. Like when, I, I, when I ran Fandelver, uh, the core rule books weren't out. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we just had to sort of figure – I mean we didn't even know how to create characters. We could only use the um, the characters that were already created in the uh, – Oh, right. I forgot uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came out before everything. Um, yep. And and we got to remember that in uh, original AD&D, the, the order of the books came out were Monster Manual, Player's Handbook, DM Guide. Mm-hmm. Which was interesting. Um, <laughs> I'd, for, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, and there was there was a decent gap between them all as well. Um, but yeah, I, I I I feel like if you're running a game, you should at least have the core book or books. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe that's that's elitist of me. I don't. It's, know. Yeah, like I am so so I'm I already have the core books. I've got I've got all three, but um. Well, I guess, like I said, right now, as I'm so again, folks, this is please your your results may vary. You don't have to do exactly as I prep if you're new to GMing. But what I like to do before a game, first of all, is work from the top down. Well, okay, I, actually, I kind of burn it at both ends, but I'll, let me let me kind of explain. So I'll choose a setting. Like I said, we can do we're going to do something. Um, uh, even if it's something I've created, I'll kind of give myself, like, I'm not going to create anything from whole cloth. I think GMs who write, <laughs> like, who write pages on pages of notes and backstory and history, that's fun. But it doesn't really work for me because, like, well, that stuff the players may never see. <laughs> so I, I like to, I like to be very practical in my prepping, I guess. Okay. Um, so once I've figured out, like for, for argument's sake, let's say I'm going to do, um, let's say I'm, I'm going to pick one of the, uh, published adventure books. Okay. Let's, let's say from there. Cause that, that's actually kind of what I'm leaning towards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, ghosts of salt marsh. I, mm. I definitely recommend that one. I I think I mean I haven't read through most of it because I don't want spoilers for um, when I eventually play it, mm, but yeah. uh, it it's quite. It looks good. Um, I if if this was out yet, the new Baldur's Gate book. Mm. Um, 
I love Baldur's Gate so well, much. Well, I do know, I do remember that's not the next product that what that Wizards has coming out. I'm trying to remember what it is. Um, um, they've no, they've got like a, another adventure box coming out. They've got like um, they they well, they've got something coming out in two weeks, and I'm trying to remember what it is because I may be getting a copy of it. Um, <laughs> well, hang on, I've got. Uh, I've also I, kind of considered um, while I'm looking that up. I've kind of considered maybe um, Acquisitions Incorporated. Okay. Have any have either of you read this book? I haven't read it, but I've no. heard of. Um, so do either so it's do either of you read Penny Arcade or know um, um, you know Gabe and Tycho? Uh, mm. No, read no no yes. Mm-hmm. You know of them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So uh, they do this thing with wizards. They're their kind of ongoing campaign that they do at the various PAXs uh-huh. is called Acquisitions Incorporated. They they pretty much started a, a, a literal adventuring company. Mm. And you get to set up one of the franchises. Hmm. Uh, D&D Essentials cool. Kit is coming out. Oh, D&D yes. Um, and, uh, that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks and I will be, um, potentially getting a copy, but I assume you, you and Sarah won't be there, Fran. Yeah, no, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be running stuff at, uh, yeah. Yeah. At Dragonflight. Not Dragon Con, Dragonflight. (laughs) I've, I'm kind of, you know what, I've forgotten about that book, but that also might be something I consider looking at. Well, I'll tell you what, if I get a copy, I'll take a look at it. Okay, let me know. And let you know. Yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, uh, so I'm gonna be at Watsi on the 16th, and that's when. Uh, that's when I maybe have it available. Okay. Um, Sorry to do that. No, no, no. You're fine. So, but anyway, so once I've kind of decided what what I would like, um, then you kind of present this to the players. Um, now when I do this, I don't, I'm definitely not one of those authoritarian GMs. At least I, I try not to be. Um, I want, I want to make sure everybody has fun. Um, but I kind of, it's like, okay, so here's kind of what I'm thinking about. Does anyone else have any input? And hmm. we kind of work together to set things up and then we discuss, um, kind of what, what the group is going to look like, who the, what the party is going to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, I, I can't take credit for this idea. This is something I got from another podcast. Uh, I listened to them way back in college. Um, Fear the boot. Hmm. Okay. Um, and I think they're still going. I think they're still around. Um, but they do this thing called a group template. So <laughs> they kind of, they make sure everybody knows like, Make sure that the group knows what they are going in. Like, are they spaceship? Are they are they space pirates? Are they mm. like in this case adventurers? And but but how do they fit together? Mm. And they kind of get a rough idea before people sit down and make characters. So everybody kind of at least starts from the same place. Does that mm. does that make mm. sense? It does. It does, mm-hmm. and it reminds me a lot of. Um, some stuff that I've been seeing in, in smaller games um, 
recently about sitting down about doing precisely that. So that that idea seems to have uh, have leaked out, as it were, mm. into the ecosphere. Um, it's it's definitely something I have been noticing more and more. Like I've been um, I've been reading some of the newer like um, I've actually been reading Fate books because I'm I'm considering writing something in Fate. So I've been kind of flipping through some of the newer Fate releases. Cool. Um, and uh, like they they absolutely do that. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean I I wouldn't call Fate a small game by any stretch of the imagination. Well, no. Well, I, I would. It's not Fate is not a small game, but it's still sort of a more of an indie type game. I think I would say still. It, yeah, it's definitely got that storytelling approach. Exactly. Exactly. And, that actually brings me up to another point when setting expectations with players. Mm-hmm. So D and D can be played a lot of different ways. Yes. Kind of. I like to prep the players on my style. I am not like, again, you please listener. You don't have to do this exactly the same way. If you have a different mm-hmm. style by all means, but I think you owe it to your players to be upfront with them about that. Like, um, like I, I tend, I tend to run, um, mind's eye. Okay. I, uh, I, I actually prefer that. I know be- that other people don't, but. Just because I've been broke for so long, I don't, I don't oh. have a lot of extra resources. <laughs> okay. So let, let me, let me, let me explain for, for our listeners, because I know we have at least one listener mm. has no idea what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> oh, true. Um, there are a couple of different, um, theories, uh, not theories, but there are a couple of different ideas in D&D as to how to play. Um, before, in first and second edition, um, you could use miniatures in a grid, but they were more for reference. Uh, in Mm. third edition, and especially in fourth edition, uh, minis and the grid became extremely important. Can Uh, I, can I interrupt for one second? Sure. Um, I am the biggest fourth edition apologist. <laughs> I, I lo- okay, okay, okay. I love fourth edition. Oh <laughs> I've got almost the, uh, the the whole run of it. You're the only, you're mm. the one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm the one. I'm sorry. That's all I wanted to say. Please okay. send so, all the hate mail to Cassie at <laughs> at Gmail. Hey, hey. <laughs> no, 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 she doesn't have that email. Uh, so, um, so, uh, yeah, so, okay, so, in in third edition, and especially in fourth edition, um, the idea of using, um, figures and miniatures on a grid was essential, I mean, it was baked into the rules, essential for keeping track of movement and combat and things like that. Um, fifth edition, when it came out, um, tried to walk that back because a lot of uh mm. a lot of players didn't didn't like it. I mean the players who were new to fourth edition seemed to really love it, but the players who came from third and who came from previous editions didn't like it so much. And also it was, let's face it, a way for um Wizards of the Coast to sell more um miniature figures. Um so No, I'm they, over here nodding. Like you're not wrong. No, <laughs> no, you're not wrong. Um so they tried to walk that back. So they have optional rules for using minis 
And then they have a return to what is called the mind's eye, where you don't have to get absolutely specific about because they took away rules like most most uh, attacks of opportunity, which was a very heavy tactical mm-hmm. thing that involved where you were, where the guy was, blah, blah, blah. blah. Um, they took away a lot of that stuff. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so there are two ways to play. You can play with um, with the grid if you really want to. And some people love it, like Fran's wife. And you can play the, the no 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 I'm not not making any judgments I mean oh, she, yeah. she 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 needs that spatial thing um, and then there's um, there's the idea of uh, theater of the mind or the mind's eye which is um, basically picture it in your head it's old fashioned role playing just use a pencil and a paper you know get out some graph paper and make some notes if you need to but basically just uh, just you know we're, we're not to um you don't have to say i move 15 feet to surround you know it's not it's not as mm-hmm. important um and i prefer um i i actually think um mind's eye combat can run faster although again um friends lovely wife does not agree with me <laughs> um but um but yeah, so there are these two schools in D&D right now, and that that is a long-winded explanation for what Liz was talking about. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, and I, that's definitely a valid point, something I would like to bring up, um, because I tend to like Mind's Eye. However, the reason I, I think it's important to bring it up to players, I know players who just, they have a hard time focusing if they don't have something. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, and I have no problem doing that. Like there are, a, I was actually looking on Amazon um, and there are a bunch of pretty good roll up dry erase battle mats. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And yep. those, and um, someone I'm quite fond of on Twitter as well as their drive through RPG products is trash mob minis and their huh. paper, paper miniatures. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, they're uh, they're really cool. They're like I I recommend checking them out. Like this is not my plug. Yeah, but they're uh, <laughs> they're 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 pretty stylized. I like I like the art. I I think I think their pronouns are he. I think it's he. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'll just say they. But they're um they're really they're really good art. I I definitely think they uh they do a great job and and they're cheap. If you've got a good printer. Or you have access to printing stuff. There's, I don't think there's a better way to do it. And and let me emphasize also that you don't have to do necessarily one or the other. You can do a combination mm-hmm. of both. Yeah, well, are, yeah. Friend and I are in a game where the where we're using Roll Twenty because we have we started using it because we have a person who has to Skype in, mm-hmm. and it really is a very much a combination game. Um, so I, one of the things I love about fifth edition is the flexibility that it has. Mm, yeah, um, it really is. Um, as the dungeon master, uh, I, I know it might seem, it might seem like a no brainer, but the dungeon master's guide is an invaluable resource. Oh yeah. Like the fifth edition dungeon master's guide. It's not, I'll be honest. It is not my favorite dungeon master's guide. 
but it has a lot of great resources. Like I, I knew I wanted to talk about it, so I've got my copy sitting right here. Like it's got um, variable experience rules, variable spellcasting rules, plenty of things to customize the game the way you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm going to surprise you here and say that my favorite uh, DMG was the fourth edition one. Um, mine, mine as well. Actually, with the DMG two. Uh, well, I didn't. I never saw the DMG two. But what I liked about the fourth edition was, unlike third uh, edition and um, and first edition, and to a certain extent second, uh, it wasn't so much about the rules as it was about simple advice to running the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which which is which is also what fifth edition has carried carried through as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I mean, there was stuff about the rules in the DMG, obviously, but it was mostly DMing advice, and I found that to be very refreshing. Um, I didn't necessarily find that I loved the game itself, mm-hmm. but um, I did love that. I do, I do like that book a lot. Yeah, so, yeah. It it was a it was definitely a refreshing uh, a refreshing change from the minutia of three five, and I'm really glad that they carried that forward into the new version there's a lot more emphasis on you know this is a a, a game right you're you're meant to be having fun so it's not a, it's not necessarily a full simulation it is a game. Yeah. yeah so if it's not fun you know you don't have to do it so i, I yeah. think that's really good advice that gms need to keep in mind unless you're cyberpunk gms in which case you have to remember that it's your job to kill the players uh, and for those of you at home, Fran has Take made a, drink. a yeah, <laughs> Fran has made a cyberpunk yeah. reference. Take a sip of the beverage of your choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I personally, I play this game with coffee, so I, I thought we were going to get away without it once for one week. Oh hell no! <laughs> yeah, um, hey, I was absent one week. You guys had our, you guys had your shot. <laughs> <laughs> um. Now our listeners have had theirs. Oh, <laughs> well played, Liz. Well played. I try. I try. Um. So but yeah, to be fair, the uh, the cyberpunk equivalent of the the dungeon master's guide is literally called "Listen up, you primitive screwheads," and it's basically Mike Pondsmith telling you how you can kill even the most resilient group of players because cyberpunk is about making you feel like the world is out to get you, because in cyberpunk the world is out to get you. So. Yeah. Well, we're drifting off topic. Um, um, I kind of want to. I think maybe we'll split this up in the next week. Talk yeah. about the player side of it. Mm. But, uh, uh, let, let's yeah, because about... we've found, I think, a fairly deep furrow here. Yeah, let's talk more about the the DM side for for mm-hmm. just a little bit though, because there is, I mean, there is a lot more stuff to do. And do we want to talk about session zero, or do we want to save that for next week? I kind of want to save that for next week. Okay. Um, before we kind of go into shoutouts, I want to do. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this. I don't. The purpose of this podcast is not to drag people down, but to uplift queer folks in the tabletop community. However, I feel like PSA might need be, need to be needed. Mm-hmm. Um, again, because we're talking about D and D, some of you folks might remember my comments on not liking D and D, and I won't go into the drama. Um, 
for those of you who don't know, um, if you, I hate to even say his name. Um, ZS. We'll just say ZS. Yes, ZS. Uh, he was he was a uh, freelancer who was involved in some heinous heinous abuse. Uh, he's again. I don't, I don't like to drag people down. He's a terrible person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of the I forget what his title is at Wizards now, uh, but be a chief creative officer or something like that. I'm not uh, sure. But anyway, Mike Merles. He is he was one of the defenders of this individual. Uh, you might see him out and about. He has kind of kept his head down in recent months. Um, I, okay, I think calling him a defender is a little a little too reductive. Can I get into it or not? Uh, by all means. Okay, so basically, um, he he was the he was the um, the head designer of um, fourth edition, and he was the co-head. Although he stepped back from that of of the of original fifth edition, and um, he's still doing a lot of writing and whatnot, but he's he's more I think he's more executive now. So uh, they, this individual um, was doing a lot of work for him, as well as a lot of other game companies. We should not mm-hmm. simply single yeah. out Mike. Um, mm-hmm. But what happened was he. he so people brought um, the accusations to Mike's attention. M- Mike being what might be considered a guy who likes, who's you know tries to stand up for his friends, basically said, "Well, c- give me proof." And uh, he got emailed lots and lots of people telling him all these stories. Now. He decided, we don't know exactly how this happened, but he decided that it wasn't enough for him. But the way he did decided it was he allowed this individual to respond to him by showing him the emails that he had got <laughs> with the evidence. Um, and then the, and then um, ZS basically convinced him that it was um, all nothing. And so he came out and said, Basically, that um, that you know he uh, Merle's came out and said that you know he he wasn't convinced by the evidence and blah blah blah. And then when everything blew up earlier this year, um, Mike issued a statement where basically he said you know we do not work with abusers blah 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 blah. But he never actually mm-hmm. apologized for how he acted when he was confronted with the accusations um and that is the major issue for me with mike merles mm-hmm. um he's apparently not a bad guy on a personal level but that is a serious issue yeah and i you know and that's kathy that's fair um you're probably right i i kind of think i don't want to put this I kind of, I'm kind of quick to anger. Um, you're probably right. He probably is a decent person, but that's yeah, what I he, heard, he's, but... he's made some mistakes. Yeah, and he hasn't owned up to them. Yeah. And, um, and so we don't, because he hasn't owned up to them, we don't really know how he feels about it. 
and we don't really know about how how he feels about um you know whether he believes the accusers or whether he still believes Zach and he's um oh used mm. the name I, I, uh, and, I, and he's um and he's Ziggy. Just, yeah <laughs> sorry and he, he's just using corporate speak or whatever and i and i you don't know i think the reason this hits so home for me is i i, I will be frank folks i I don't mean to make this end a downer, but I, I am an abuse survivor myself. Uh, I, I don't. You survived. That's not a downer, dude. <laughs> that, yeah. It just, it just Sorry. Kind of sets, Gender uh, neutral dude attempt rejected. Apologies. No, no, no I got that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I wanted to give a PSA because I actually ran across. I I wasn't expecting this. Um, mm. It was it was kind of. I was watching. uh video about the new Baldur's Gate 3 mm-hmm. and he popped up and I was like oh well mm-hmm. for those that know and are aware kind of wanted to give a little PSA just be on the lookout for that mm-hmm. yeah um, I mean and here, here's the thing you know there are plenty of other wonderful people who work at Wizards of the Coast in D&D and mm-hmm. I was disappointed with Wizards um, response in general but I do not hold it against the people who work there or who do most of the products because, well, I've met some of them and they're very, you know, they're very nice, welcoming, extraordinary people. No, but, and I, I don't want people to think I'm hating on wizards. It's, yeah. it's it is definitely not that. Um, but but he is an executive. That idea. Yeah, yeah. He, he is an executive at wizards, and so you have to. Remember that. And hey, um, uh, please don't disinvite me from Wizards uh, events. I, 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 I do have I do have a small um, conflict of interest, but you know. no, Wizards don't disinvite Kathy. This is my fault. <laughs> You're going to disinvite anyone. Disinvite me. I mean, I wasn't invited to begin with, but if I ever come to Seattle, I'm going to camp outside your office anyway. Cause I'm a fangirl. So <laughs> and if I can if I can drop a little bit. Um, I will say that I've been in enough industries with enough good people and watched enough good people make bad mistakes to know that that is a thing that happens. You can be a a good salt-of-the-earth person. You can be a staunch ally, and you can find yourself opening your mouth and sticking your foot in and going, why do I taste toes? Oh, God, why am I still talking? Oh, my God, what am I doing? Why am I digging the hole deeper? I, I will go so far as to say I have done this, and I no doubt will do it again. We make dumb mistakes. The big, the big difference, the the thing that separates the really great from the merely good, is when they make a mistake, stand up and say, "I have made a mistake." And I'm going to go dig out from it now. And you look at future behavior, and future behavior has fewer mistakes in it, or at least different mistakes. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so yeah, our, I think most of our disappointment stems from the fact that Mr. Merles hasn't st- stood up and said, you know what? Um, I feel crummy about how this happened. And I'm not entirely certain what the best way is forward, but I'm looking for better ways. And the thing is, his window to do that has also passed. And mm-hmm. I think he has to know that as well. Mm-hmm. So if he says anything now, mm-hmm. then that could be a problem as well. So let's let's kind of shift gears for a second. Let's end on a good note. Okay. What are we shouting out to this week? Who wants All to go right. first? 
Uh, I will go first. So um, if I am allowed to, I would like to shout out for something really old. Uh, <laughs> well, not really old. Uh, I, I would like to shout out for something from 2009. Um, last night, because it's been added to Netflix, I finally, finally, finally saw The Princess ah, yes. and the Frog, the, D- well, the Disney movie, The Princess and the Frog. And it, I believe it was their last traditionally animated film. Um, and it's so good. Oh my gosh. Oh, and it does things. I mean, this is the thing I love about traditional animation. It does things. I love 3D animation. I love claymation. I love all these things. Each of them can do some things well and can't do other things well. And I think by Mm -hmm. simply limiting things to 3D animation, they're cutting off all the wonderful things that, that traditional animation can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. What are you going to say? Well, two things. First of all, I agree. I love that movie. Second of all, I think it actually came out in 2006. Oh. I have a very vivid memory of um, the girl I was dating in high school at the time. Her mom getting furious that she saw that movie because it had magic in it. Oh, Oh, jeez. Yes. Uh Well, and you were in West Virginia, right? Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I when I was in high school and the Smurfs were on TV, yeah. ow my hip. Um, oh, I, I had a friend. Kid. I I had a friend whose uh, whose uh, mom was convinced that the Smurfs were devil worshippers. So still on TV when we were in high school. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay. they they've they've popped back up a couple of times too. And... But but at any rate, so um. I will say that, I mean, there were a lot of, it's definitely a fantasy because Hmm. one of the things I loved about it the most is the fact that uh, the character Tiana's uh, friend, who they were friends since childhood, the big rich white girl, Mm -hmm. means a lovely person. I mean, she's incredibly self-centered and not that bright, but she Mm -hmm. remains a lovely person who loves her friend Mm -hmm. through the whole thing, which is total fantasy, of course. Mm-hmm. I was totally ready for her to be the horrible person that Tiana has to, um, you know, mm-hmm. has to be against. But that was just so wonderful. And yeah. I love the fact that there really only was the one bad guy mm-hmm. um, who manipulated people. And there was just so much to like about it. I love the fact yeah. that Tiana didn't have to give up on her dreams for anyone. Mm-hmm. I just, and yes, the the voodoo stuff. I mean, it could be a little bit. Um, it could be a little bit culturally sensitive, but I think that they played it very, very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not qualified to to say that for sure. I just really enjoyed it even more than I was expecting to. I mean, it reduced me to schoolgirl um, yelps of glee. Oh, yeah, it was great. Well, then my uh, my shout out, I think, will be a bit of an uh, an amusing counterpoint to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yesterday night, I got to watch a uh, a uh, an animator uh, for the first time get to see uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, oh, which, no is, which is which oh. is um, well, I can't say it's not traditionally animated because it is hand animated. And computer animated, yeah. and cell shaded, and yeah. and everything else. It's as as I was telling her that the animator friend that we have mm-hmm. is the thing that I knew she was going to love about it the most is that it was mm-hmm. all these different styles that yep. meshed and they should have clashed. 
but they came together yeah. so well. Exactly. And it is it's an extraordinary piece of not just a really fun movie because it is fun as hell, but it's an extraordinary confluence of really great cultural influence, um, really great um, space keeping for various minorities, um, really great storytelling and just absolutely amazing artistry. And um, both of these are now on Netflix if our listeners mm-hmm. want, to, uh, want to watch them. Yeah, Spider, Spider-Verse does deserve a bit of a warning because if you have some sort of photosensitivity, there are yes. a lot of – there basically or, – or any kind of sensory sensitivity. It is a very it, – it, it is a feast for the senses, but it does not stop. Yes, and my, so, my wife has, gets migraines from mm-hmm. um, strobe effects, and she is yeah. unable to see it, and mm-hmm. she is very unhappy about that. Yeah. Yeah, it is a bummer. I mean, I, it's, I, I don't think it's something that they could possibly have avoided and done things the way they did them. But yeah, it's, it is, it's a shame. Um, and if you have ways of coping with it, I mean, one, having it at home so that you can go, and that's enough of that for half an hour. Um, that can help. In fact, the reason that our friend was watching it at home is because she has sensory processing issues and really liked the fact that A, she could pause and get up and walk away, and B, I had the volume control. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's an extraordinary, wonderful, nuanced film that really just delivers so many things so beautifully and you can pretty much pause it at any moment and go god damn look at that <laughs> and, oh, and, and have something interesting to see and the the soundtrack yeah oh, yeah. oh man yeah uh, the uh, the the theme i'm not even gonna say music but sound for the prowler is just it's chilling Ooh, yeah yeah so so she liked it then. Oh, she she loved the crap out of it. And and oh yeah, and um uh Sony or Dirty Rotten Finks for um setting up the Blu-ray so that it auto plays the extras afterwards because oh, we kidding. meant to get to bed a lot earlier than one AM and um and we just kept on going, Well we we can watch one more. So so yeah, Sony your dirty rotten finks who made a really, really superb movie. <laughs> Okay, so mine this week, uh, I think, is definitely on brand for me. It's, <laughs> it's a Kickstarter. Um, it's a Kickstarter that, I'll be honest, is not doing great. It could definitely use more support. So even if one person listening to this can kick a few bucks forward to help this thing get made, it'll be amazing. It's a documentary called Let's Play Dungeons & Dragons Behind Bars. And it's about... Um, Dungeons and Dragons and role playing in general in the prison system. Huh. And it's, I mean, if you're anything like me, you're for prison abolition. Um, but I'm not here to, to, to do that. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's worth the look. If you saw the documentary on Vice, um, a couple years ago about Dungeons and Dragons in prisons, it's the same person who, uh, who had a hand in making that, doing this and expanding it. Mm. Um, I, I backed it. Um, $40 will get you uh, 
we'll get you your name in the in the movie as well as a digital link. Twenty five gets you a shout out on the website as well as a digital link to the documentary once it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Liz, uh, how about once we get the um, episode up, um, we'll include a um, comment with uh, with a link to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to make sure I put it in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. I like right. that idea. There are um, show notes. <laughs> sometimes, if I remember. Okay. okay. <laughs> um. But it's, I think it's definitely a project worth, worth doing. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's our show for this week, folks. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We're going to have part two next week where we talk about session zero uh, and what can players do to, you know, when they're coming in for a new campaign. Uh, but either way, thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day and your hair looks really nice. Yeah. Stay beautiful, trans gamers. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, all next- oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kathy. Oh, I'm just going to say goodbye. And uh, remember, you are valid. Hmm. All, right, all right. We'll catch you all later. Yep. Bye-bye, Bye. folks. <laughs>